Hello and you're welcome to the Backdoor Football Show. Um, joined as usual by regular contributor John McMahon and delighted to be joined uh, by former Leitrim footballer and Melvin Gales footballer Emma Mulligan. But Emma, I suppose you're involved with the Leitrim Miners and we must start there. Um, must be so disappointing after training during the year and then for the championship just to be put like that and not much notice at all really. Yeah, listen, lads. Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, I suppose for myself personally, getting into that kind of role as selector coach, it's obviously the first I've been involved with that level. So, early December last year, we started trials, and we had a good. We, listen, we had a good kind of. We got a good squad together, and unfortunately, weather permitting last year, last January, February, was hard to get games in. So, obviously, then COVID came along, kept the boys. We kept. There's a lot of communication throughout the whole COVID period, and the lads stayed in good shape, and then obviously came back there a couple of weeks back, but. Yeah, listen, we trained there Tuesday night and then to hear, you know, the lads were buzzing then for tonight to play in Galway because um, I suppose at the start the COVID, we didn't think we'd get a game. So it was great to have that one game to look forward to. Um, but no, disappointing, surely. Listen, even on the management side of things, it was disappointing for parents who were bringing them up and down the road every night. Do you know, it's a massive commitment at minor level. At least a senior, you can get into your car and you can go yourself. But it's parents have to bring these lads and Coming from my home club in Kinloch, which is outside Bundoran, they're up to Anadoffer to an hour and 10, 15 minutes, three nights a week, you know, and it's very disappointing for them, but Listen, the GA made a call, um, you know, I suppose the fact you see the senior running off and you see young lads in school mixing together, I just think it was a bit surprising. Especially, I suppose the biggest one is for Dublin and Galway under-20s, how that couldn't have just went ahead this weekend. Mm-hmm. But listen, you'll be given out to the, till, till, till the end, giving out about it, but unfortunately we have to get on with it. And I don't know, will it ever be played again? And I suppose I propose the thing that it should be put under 18 next year to give them lads an opportunity because I think it's a huge grade to miss out on for any young lads. So... Um, Listen, it's tough times, you all know that, but it was just another kind of nail blow for the boys and I suppose for young lads at that age, we all know about different aspects of whatever anxiety and mental health. I think it was the only shining light in their lives at, at this moment. So, unfortunately, that's taken away from them and I suppose we just have to see, as the GA says, it's paused now, we said, but um, realistically, I can't see it being played. And do you think they always should have kept minor at under 18? A lot of people are saying it this week, that it should have always been kept because it's almost harder now to go from minor and under 17 level into a senior setup you're not seeing it as much really anymore i definitely agree i think even the hype about the i i you know growing up myself and i never played minor myself but i always know even years playing senior like the minor championship was a huge game it was all the game on before the inter-county senior game but the under 17 has kind of been lost a wee bit you know and i even see with the maturity of players like we've we've lads there to 15 years of age nearly coming into under 17s you know and you're still dealing with a very young a young adult as such whereas the under 18s were a bit more mature were, a lot of them were ready for senior inter-county football the year after, you know, but it's a, it's a bigger gap now to bridge to get up to that level and the under 20 as well, even I still think, you know, that I know I can see some points why they try to change it, but at the same time, I definitely think the, the under 17 made no sense. Um, obviously, I understand with the leaving cert as well, maybe there's less leaving cert playing it, but, you know, over the years, it, it, you know, a lot of players who were playing county did fierce well in their leaving cert, you know, because I had something nearly to focus on, but... Uh, could, they could do that, but I, listen, the GA the way it's ran, you don't know, you don't know what will come out in the morning or the next day. So I said, there's no point even predicting what they'll do. Exactly. And did you find like going from playing intercounty football uh, with the Leitrim seniors to going and coaching the minors? Did you find it a big jump at the start? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Listen, I went in on the. Uh, listen, Benny Guckin took us over the minors this year. He was he was obviously my last intercounty manager before Terry Highland. So he came to me and he kind of heard that. Myself and Terry weren't seeing eye to eye and talk to Terry wasn't calling me back into the panel. So he kind of jumped at the opportunity and said to me, listen, he, he thought it would be good for the young lads to have me in and around the place. And, um, it does take a bit of transition. You know, you're, I, I suppose I demanded a lot of myself playing and I suppose I demanded, 
I suppose another excellence. I never, I rarely hated seeing mistakes. And I suppose going to a coaching level, you have to kind of rewind back to basics. And I suppose encouragement is a huge thing. And you know, I've been an off, I've been off man on the pitch for fucking roaring and giving out to lads and that. You know, and when you go into that level, you just have to restrict your, but you have to restrict yourself a little bit. You know, but uh, I enjoyed it. I suppose listen, more than any lad, I hate running. I hated training. I used to, I used to love going up there and roaring at the young lads to run. You know, and I used to just standing there not getting cold and dirty, but. I was enjoying the buzz of it, in fairness. Uh, it, it, listen, it's not the same as playing, but I suppose in the last year and a half, I've kind of fallen out a little bit with the game in terms of playing it myself um, through different things, through, ah, listen, through different experiences, through managers and different sort of stuff. So I kind of, I've seen myself going forward more so that in that role as coaching, managing rather than actually playing, even, even though I'm only 32 years of age. I think that's where, um, that's where it's kind of leading me now at the minute rather than playing, to be honest. Do you want to come in there for a bit, John? Yeah, so Emlyn, like you, you're obviously referencing uh, Terry Highland, like I know all about Mir and Calvin. Like, what was this, uh, Emlyn? Like, obviously, you were probably Leitrim's best player the last couple of years. Was it just lack of communication with Terry, or what was the story in the end for you and him? Yeah, listen, as I said to you before you came on, I said, you're only Calvin men that rang me in the last year. <laughs> it's not too often that any Calvin men ring me, but no, listen, me and Terry. I suppose we got off to a good start. I haven't really spoke about it publicly, really. Listen, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't come out here and start stating anyone out, letting them give their side of things. Um, I suppose Terry got the job. We, we were very much in touch about different things, giving them an insight into what was going on. And I suppose I think we fell back on me. I, I did an interview. I was called up to the championship draw for RT in two thousand and what have been probably eighteen at that stage. Um, and the draw was done. And I suppose I was doing it with Donny Smith. And I remember we were drawing against Roscommon again for the fourth year in a row. And John Cantwell, the camera came on me and it was basically saying, what do you think of that, Emlyn? And I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, I'm disgusted with that draw. And I was like, let's be realistic. I was like, we haven't a chance. Mayo, or to beat Roscommon, Mayo and Galway to get to Connick Fine. Let's be realistic about it, you know. And I heard bits of things back, but then I heard he, he wasn't too happy with that attitude and that, you know. And then I went to end my honeymoon, I got married and I didn't come back until January. And I suppose, listen, I was chasing after that. And he kind of, listen, he kind of said to me, he says, basically, I wasn't in his plans. He didn't feel I was good enough. Um, you know, which I found hard to take because three, four months before that, I got man of the match in a, in a game against Loud, you know, in a qualifier, and I ran, did well against Mon, and I just found it very hard to take. And I suppose I'd never been used to that negativity or criticism towards me. And I suppose a lot of people might say, oh, you're a confident fellow, you can deal with it. I struggled to deal with it, to be honest, John. You know, it was, Jesus Christ, I was thinking about him 24-7, um, and everything I'd done seemed to irritate him, you know, and we just never talked. There was no communication, and I got one game in the league before the league final against Water. I played Waterford and I kicked six points in play so I kind of left him no opportunity but to play me in Coe Park and I got a bit of an injury going into it and like five minutes in the second half that day he whipped me straight away you know and it was as if I felt he just wanted to take me off you know and I suppose going into the Roscommon game then I felt I was going well and literally I was fifth or sixth sub put on against Roscommon when we were 15 points down a corner back came on again ahead of me centre forward and I just said to him after I said Terry I can't do this I said my own mental health I said, I said you're absolutely like it's just driving me absolutely insane and I suppose we didn't speak then for a year and we, we I, I kind of reached out to him to try and clear it air this year and he just said to me the reason was that he left the panel in the middle of championship and all this and he kind of I suppose he came out in the media then and said the door would be still open for me to come back but there's been no there's been no contact no communication since and I suppose that's where it's at John you know and like I have seen it because like I have seen Terry not fall out with players but players stepping away from the panel and bits and pieces and Maybe just I don't really know what happened in the end with it all. Like, and especially with a county like Leeds from there, Emlyn, like he was coming on leaps and bounds, and maybe the last year or two, like, like 
has has obviously has left you frustrated, I presume. Yeah, it's left a sour taste in my mouth, John. No question about it. Left a massive sour taste in my mouth going forward. Um, not just in that. It's just as far as the way things the, thing, the way things were left. I suppose. Listen, it is disappointing. Like I've given everything to Leeds football like, since I, since I joined. Just I've been I've three cruciates done. I've come back. I've captain them. Listen, at the end of the day, everything I do is for the better Leeds football. You know, and I suppose I the way I'm looking at them is these people are coming in from outside county. They're only there temporarily. Like you know. And, I would have been questioning things if I didn't think things were right. I would have been one of the more vocal in the dressing room questioning these things. And I suppose they didn't like that part of it either, you know. But at the end of the day, I'm doing it for the benefit of Leitrim going forward and keeping the structure in place. Um, you know, we have two different maybe sides of, of our thoughts on the way things we ran. Um, and maybe, you know, listen, I can understand maybe he just didn't like me questioning a lot of that. And then he obviously... I was doing a good bit of media stuff too, and you know, I used to, I don't think he was too fond of that either. But listen, that's part of the parcel. I enjoyed that. I was lucky enough to go up and do games in RT, and I wasn't going to turn down them opportunities, you know. And for me, that was putting Leitrim out there because no one from Leitrim had been doing that before. So if he maybe seen them as negatives, fair enough. But listen, at the end of the day, John, I'm sitting here in the bed talking to you when I should be getting ready for a league game this weekend, and unfortunately, it's me just the loser out of this, you know, and that's the way I look at it. And Inevitably, if Terry Highland stays on next year, I suppose, as I said to people, Terry Highland technically retired me if that's the case. And unfortunately, that's the upsetting thing to say about it because I think we're two human beings and old enough we should be able to sit down and chat. You know, because the two of us are still pushing for the same thing at the end of the day. And I just want Leeds to be successful. And that's it, really, you know. And does it bring it back to maybe the Jim McGinnis, Kevin Cassidy thing? Because Cass was doing the media stuff and kind of speaking out for himself and maybe kind of like bringing his career on a bit and talking about Johnny Gall and bits and pieces. Like, does it bring it back to this kind of, well, I wouldn't say domineering thing, Emlyn, but con- complete control. And I want to control everything that's going on around me to make Leach successful. Yeah, maybe, maybe to a degree. Maybe my personality is too strong and that I was too vocal at times and I should have maybe shut my mouth and sat back and said nothing when I think about it. But at the same time, listen, I'm just, I, like, I suppose the difference with Jim McGuinness, Jim McGuinness is a Donegal man out and out, so he's looking for the benefit of Donegal. I'm not saying Terry's not looking for the best for Leitrim, but at the end of the day, he's not going to be there forever, like, you know. And Whereas for me, the sour taste is left in my mouth. I just don't know what my thoughts down the line would be for even, you know, for... Wanting to manage Leitrim or that, you know, I'm living in Sligo Town here, and if it falls in, listen, I don't know if I have family here, what way I live or turn, and I suppose that's my biggest kind of gripe that I have given so much, and I suppose, listen, thankfully with the miners this year, Benny bringing me in, it's giving me back that little bit more, I suppose, love of the thing, but uh, mentally, it's just mentally drained me for so long, like literally, I could not stop thinking. I thought about jo- I thought about Terry more than talking about my wife, like literally, was talking, <laughs> thinking, thinking, thinking. And when I chat him himself, he says to me, that too much Terry told me, too much time in my hands driving around in the Garda car to be thinking about him. I says, well, I says, you don't understand. I says, you're never off me fecking mind. But it, uh, that wore me down. And, and, you know, and that literally wore me. Oh, Jesus Christ. It nearly broke me in half, to be honest. But I've adapted to it. And I suppose I would have been more, I suppose being a sub last year, I struggled because I would never have been in that position. But this year, I would have been way more adaptive to that. If he told me, listen, bring you in, get you on 20 minutes in you. You know, because my fitness is as good as it's ever been in that. So I thought there would have been definitely that role in me. But no, as he says, listen, it's going to be a short season anyway. So I'll not be giving out too much. You know, listen, if another game this weekend, obviously a massive game against Mayo next weekend. Let's be, let's be straight up. And let's, well, I'll say not let's, I'll not say let's be realistic. Because last time I said that, I said, I didn't, it didn't get go too well. But I can't see Leitrim getting over Mayo. I need to have Mayo going even in the last week or two. So um, it, it'll be just interesting to see what folds in the winter going forward and into the early new year. 
Well, geez, that's funny to hear the Terry Island was on your mind all the time. Jeez, that's geez, it. I never, I never talked about a cabin man in my life. I said, Jesus I'm, I'm a cabin man all my life. And Jesus, uh, Terry I'll Island. You, I'll be thinking about you now tonight, John. I'll be thinking, that's I'll be thinking, geez, <laughs> what I say to that man. <laughs> but no, listen, at the same time, I wish the boys all the best. And there are a good bunch of young lads there. That's the thing, I suppose. And I suppose you wouldn't be disappointed if I didn't think they were capable of doing something, you know. And, the fact we're in Division Three, and maybe listen, it'd be great if they could be great if they could beat the Bury tomorrow and stay in or on Sunday and stay in Division Three next year. But um, yeah, that's listen, that's where it's at, honey. Anyway. So I said it'll be, it'll be lying on the couch, streaming the game with a few cans or a few bottles for me this again now, honey. Anyway. So well, <laughs> and it's it's only refreshing to say that as well, and, and as well because like maybe okay, maybe okay, things maybe trivia a bit mad, but like have you maybe enjoyed the break from not actually? Playing the county, or did you like the commitment that it brought to your life? Yeah, I liked. I did like the structure. In fairness, I liked that. Like now, like even there this evening, now I'm off for a few days, finishing up work, and that's just. I suppose nothing to commit to, really. You know, and even the minor was giving me the minors was giving me that bit of commitment. We're we're away two or three nights of the week. You know, I love jumping into the car and heading off up the road an hour up, and you know, I just enjoy that part of it. You know, and I suppose when that's taken away from you, it, it does. I suppose it's the biggest fall off from football is for players when they are so committed to these things, how they react when it's all over, you know. And I suppose, not that I've been lucky, but I've been off a good bit over the years with cruise ships and that, so I, I'm able to adapt without football as well. There's no question about that. Um, but it's definitely opened up my eyes to it that there's, you know, you need other things in your life outside of football as well. And we're all living in this little bubble and top inter-county players, whether from Dublin, Kerry, whatever, they're all in this bubble. But that bubble bursts at the end of the day, you know. And, there's only a handful of them will go in and do media and do this and that, but there's such a high percentage of lads that will be going away scratching their head not knowing what to do with themselves, you know, and there's no real after support for players like that or how to deal with, their, deal with the spare time in their hands. And um, for me, listen, I'm just coming to terms with it. And thankfully, I know myself now, I'm able to, I know how to deal with it and I'll be able to deal with it, thankfully, you know. And you're obviously that you played, you did play for Leitrim for a number of years. Like, did, did you enjoy it over the years, Emlyn? Or like, at, at times, did you feel it like, Jesus, this is this is tough going for what we're worth? Yeah, at those times, all right. Listen, I suppose injury setbacks and that, you know. And I suppose listen, you'd always a name to get back. And I suppose it just depends. Like, no, listen, I, I suppose I never thought it wasn't worth it. I, I still always love representing Leitrim. I, I just love the buzz of getting out there putting on the jersey and. You know, I always backed myself as a confident player and I always thought no matter whether it was whoever was marking, I always felt I was capable of getting the better of anyone, you know. And I suppose yeah, I tried to pass that feeling of confidence on to the rest of the team over the years. And now, obviously, as you said, listen, looking back on the career, I'm barely fit to fucking walk at the best of times now with my knees. But I say to myself, Jesus Christ, was it worth it? Like, you know, one championship win in 12 years in Connacht against Sligo. You know, if you take London, New York out of it, like, you know, three, was it three qualifier wins? <sighs> like two FPDs. Like, you know, when you, when you look back on it, it's on paper, grand, it's, you're, you haven't your All-Stars, your All-Ireland, but at the same time, like, I suppose it, it, it made me into the person, it defines, I'm Emma Mulligan as a Leitrim footballer, that's who I'm known as, and I suppose it has defined me as a person, and now I just have to move on to the next stage of my life as in to be known as Emma Mulligan, something else, not as former Leitrim player or that, you know, it's just a different life now far me ahead, but... Listen, I couldn't regret um, the last 12, 13 years representing Leitrim. No, definitely not. And regardless of what I got out of it, um, it was always proud for me. And I suppose it's proud for everybody in my family not to be out there representing them. And it's a big void for them to fill as well because my parents followed me everywhere. My wife as well. And their Sundays are different now when they don't have to go up to watch me in, in Park Sean and Leitrim or that. So even for them, it's kind of a sad, sad enough time for them because 
strange my dad went to school with Terry Highland as well. So I don't know the mayor was a bully <laughs> Terry Highland in school or what did he do? <laughs> but they were in the same class. So like, this story goes on, lads. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I said, I said, You must kick the shite out of Terry in class. I said, I said, he doesn't even fucking ring me anymore. But no, it's uh, no, it's another era, another door, one door o- one door closed, another one opens, and I suppose you just have to get on with that end of it, you know. Um, just coming in there, uh, Imlin, um, he obviously suffered three uh, cruciate injuries, but like, how tough is it to actually do a cruciate three times? Like, people obviously watching on from the sidelines, obviously just don't know how tough it is. Yeah, it's suppose different in maturity. I done it in 2009, my second year, I was only 21, and then I done it the year after in 2010. I suppose I had a different lifestyle back then. I was in college and I was drinking and slobbering and I suppose the 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 rehab wouldn't have been a massive focus and I'd no I suppose I'd no girlfriend. I'd no I'd no I'd no real stability in my life and I suppose it's harder to deal with then because you're just in a lost zone and you know real support coming from anywhere really, you know. And obviously it was great to get back and I suppose the time Mickey Moore and John Morrison were there and they were they were obviously a massive incentive for me to get back and try and play under them, you know. And obviously I got a good run at it up to 17 then was it and then done it again unfortunately and then obviously I suppose listen it comes down to management Benny Guckin told me in June that year that we were playing New York in May the following year and he basically said I'm giving you the aim to get back within the nine months to start that game and he gave me every opportunity you know and all I needed was the focus to get that I suppose listen sure why wouldn't any man want the focus to get back to go from New York and play any game of football you know so listen you just set yourself targets but initially when they happened there's no question they were tough Um like fairness, people all over the country were very good. Like getting, you know, messages of support you'd be getting from Kieran Donny, Bernard Rogan, these fellas, you know. The likes of them messages on Twitter, I, you know, they, they they did give me a boost at the time and they were all telling you this till you come back and but at the same time doing it the third time I thought, right, this is the end of it. I couldn't you know, you would debate would you go back at it because if you do it four time, I don't know where you'd end up. But um this knife series struggled with my knees now at the minute. Um Jesus Christ, I could end up having them ice them every few days, like it's kind of walking at this stage, sometimes it'd be a struggle, but Unfortunately, that's the long-term effects and probably need a knee replacement in a couple of years, I'd say, the way things are going. But, um, yeah, listen, I see people, a lot of people doing it. It's an awful reoccurring injury, but it's it's a mental thing, really. You know, the minute you get the operation, you're fixed, I look at it, and you just have to put in the hard work then. But it is becoming such a reoccurring injury all over at every grade of sport and every sort of type of sport as well. But, um, yeah, definitely a tough period in your life to get over them, all right? And FBD League, like you would have targeted a lot um, over the last decade. Is that like a real target at the start of the year for Leitrim when you were being involved? Yeah, when I was captain, we were lucky to win it them two years and captain it, you know. And Leitrim only won four ever trophies, like, you know, and two of them were FBDs now all the same. But like as I said, it was proud for me to lift them cups all the same, even be it. We hadn't bet Mayo since 94. We hadn't bet Galway since... So it was like over 20 years in any competition. So we bet them consecutively in them years and even bet Roscommon in the final one of them and Sligo another. So for us, that was huge. Like, like I remember RT News around at that time. I said, Jesus Christ, like, I said, we weren't on the piss then for a few days after. I said, we weren't, fucking, we weren't, we weren't fit to move for the National League the week after. But the year after then, we, we got a bit more momentum behind us. But no, listen, they were, they were huge. And I suppose it's only when you see, you would, like, when you see elderly leading people them games would be crying when you're in them little small things like that. And that's what drove me on. I was always thinking, Jesus Christ, if we could just get to a conic final or, you know, this or that. And we had, we had a great opportunity, I think it was in 14, to get to a conic final. And London bet us in the semi-final. Unfortunately, again, I got injured in that game. But, like, they were the little things. Small, it was small victories. They weren't massive, but they were small little victories within Leitrim as a county. And 
people at Leitrim, like any small little victory that, you know, it, it had a, they had a bounce in their step for weeks after, no matter how small it was, you know. And FBD was probably a target because we thought we'd potentially could get the better of the bigger teams early on in the year, but uh, it wasn't something we completely focused on either, but it just fell that way for us then two years. And obviously you're coming up against powerhouses, Mayo, Galway, Roscommon. Is it something you'd be open to having a Tier 2 championship? Yeah, listen, I remember this debate years ago and all I said, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I suppose when you're involved, you still want to play them teams. But at the same time, I, I, I looking back on experience, Jesus, more, I had more bad days, like sitting in McHale Park, 23, 24 points down, just completely deflated, you know, playing the same. Or scamming four years in a row, getting bet out the door, 15, 16 points. And then you hear the people say, oh, well, you want to play them. You do and you don't. Like, you have to, you have to earn the respect to be in that, that grade as well. I think, you know, I probably, I would have been more on for, like, a senior intermediate junior structure. Um, because even tier two, I think, is a struggle for, like, say, even Leitrim to win it, realistically. Like, you know, and I think if you went from your junior to intermediate, you know, you justify being in that grade, um, no more than club level. Like, it works perfect for the club. There's no reason if Leitrim run a junior championship. We see Leitrim hurlers winning whatever the competition they're in. Like, you know, it's like, it's technically in all Ireland, whatever level it's at, but they're like, sure, geez, it brought it's it brought Leitrim hurling on a site, you know, because they're not kicking trouble. Like, if you put them out against Tipperary, like, sure, it, does, it just doesn't make sense. So, why should it make sense in football either, you know? And sometimes the people at the top table, even in our county board, are thinking, no, you have to compete with the best, but it's very hard to improve and you're taking, taking them beatings consistently year on, year after, you know. And do you think really to progress Leitrim a bit further, like? Do you think in the last few years maybe you took your eye off the ball at underage, or do you just think it's just too small of a pick? Ah, well, I suppose. Well, listen, I suppose in the last number of years we've probably improved a bit in terms of we'll obviously getting up to Division Three. It was the first time there in ten years staying in it. Obviously, is a struggle. Um, there is good underage structures we put in place. In fairness, I thought like this year at our minor, let's say just an example of a grade like you know Benny, former Leitrim manager. Um, like he brought in like he brought in our strength and condition and the Lions who was at Highland, who was with Terry Highland last year. Um, the nutritionist, the uh, stats man, like he would everything there for the minors. You know, I suppose the first year they've ever had that facility of trying to be in a professional setup. And I suppose going forward, Leitrim must be adapted every grade because at the end of the day, it needs to be a transformation for them going into under 20 senior. It shouldn't be a massive transformation. It should be just a natural step up, step up, dealing with a professional setup. And listen, down the line, I suppose Leitrim are trying to do that. But again, it takes money and takes it takes money, unfortunately, to do these things as well. And um, not all county boards are willing to sacrifice that and maybe sometimes you have to look back and say maybe right forget about the seniors this year put all the money maybe into the underage structure and that you know for a couple of years and see where we get but uh, it's it's. I wouldn't say they've the right off the ball but I think other counties have stepped it up as much as well you know and you can see that all over the place as well You want to step back in there John? And your club there, Leitrim, Men and uh, Melvin Gales, you paid a bit for St. Bridget's in Dublin as well. What uh, brought about the St. Bridget's move? Yeah, we won the, I won the, played for Melvin Gales, won the county final to the senior. We won the senior in 12 and herself ended up getting work up in Dublin, so we moved up that direction. Uh, I was still a garden long for now, I was commuting up and down, we were living outside Manute there. And then I suppose, I'd never thought about it, John, to be honest, a couple of clubs rang me um, in Dublin and I suppose I didn't really know what to do and it was never something that I thought of doing, but... I sat down and met a few different lads, um, but then I met with Jerry McEntee um, for me there. And I suppose from the minute I met him and the passion he had just to get me there, you know, and I suppose it was just another, I suppose for me, it was more about proving myself. I thought I was going very well at the time and I was captain of Leitrim and I thought, you know what, this will be able to put, this will be able to prove to people up in Dublin that I'm as good as fucking Bernard Brogan, Jim McConnell, you know, in my own mindset. And 
I, I'd agree a couple of years up there and I suppose listen I, I know myself and my Harland up there and I was good as anyone on the pitch up there and I suppose for me it was like a little inner goal to prove to myself as well as prove to others and I suppose with Leitrim then I, I probably had my best year of football them three or four years for Leitrim was when I was playing club football in Dublin because week on week you were marking an intercounty footballer your standards never dropped and uh, obviously Jerry went away then and Tony McAtee from Crossman Glen came in and managed us like and sure Jesus like what you you know even for coaching now what you learn off him you know the Crossman Glen philosophy of football and everything it was like even for them little experiences it was huge like you know and um, really really enjoyed it obviously came home then and I suppose thinking back now I suppose I'd probably you'd still love to be back up there probably playing realistically you know it's just it's just a different level of open football really you know and a uh, great few years now. And you know, the, the club in Leitrim there as well, and like you, you grew up with that club. Like, was it like is the standard high in Melvin Gales there at the minute, or what way you fix? Ah, yeah, we're not too bad. Like, listen, we were semi final last year, bet the Murray's, but got bet in a quarter. We're always there, thereabouts. Um, some good young lads coming through. Um, young lad there in my club, Dara Rooney. You know, he's he starts for the seniors there. He's a phenomenal talent, to be honest. Uh, he's on his fourth year at Leitrim. He's only twenty one. Uh, the likes of him, like he's he's the new man now to be driving on that club. You know, and I think that's where the game's gone. The boys. I was captain of the club there and the boys are kind of half sick of listening to an old fellow like me nearly roaring and shouting and trying to keep them in out of the pub and you know it's, it's, it is very hard it's a totally different game and young lads are nowadays a different generation like it's not it's not like it used to be even I feel when I come up you had the commitment there young bucks now to drink pints the night before the game and think it's acceptable you know and I suppose I'm not the right man for it but you need young lads like that like Dara Rooney let's say for example to coming through now and pushing it on and um I used to know, I, I suppose for myself, I just know where the hunger is for me going forward with it. That's been straight up. But, you know, at this moment in time, I couldn't even think of Ang Wars probably going back playing next year. Now. So I just I just know where I'm at. But it's still, you still obviously love the club to be going well and play some part in it anyway, you know. And like, was it kind of, when you, when you came back from St. Bridges to like Melvin Gales, were you a bit kind of, were you a bit sad? That, oh, Jesus, like I'm, I'm back to this kind of cracker. Like, was the standard so good in Dublin that you miss it? Yeah, the standards, I mean, in fairness, the standard, when you're playing, in, well, I suppose as you, as you get older, you, you get slower and the standard, no matter where you're playing, it feels tough enough, but um, no, there's no question of standard. I suppose for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a different, I suppose the personal aspect, you know everybody, you know everyone you're playing. Like I used to play clubs in Dublin, Mark, because I wouldn't, you know, unless you were a county player, I wouldn't have a clue who they were. There's no personal vendetta against you. You know, referees had nothing against you, whereas in need to me, you always feel that little bit of, there's always something going against you, you know, and um, I suppose it's different. And I suppose, listen, I've been gone for five or six years and a lot of them younger lads in my club, I didn't even know them, you know. So it was nearly like coming back to a brand new club and then I was with the county and then she, you don't see them that often. And I suppose the bond there probably wasn't really there. And the, I suppose last year was the only year I really got back in with the club, obviously, and wasn't with the county to really get to know the fellas. And you know that at club, like club is all on that sort of bond, that circle of trust and all. And when you're with your county, it's very hard to get involved in that because you're away for 90% of the year. So you can see like this year why the club works so well with the COVID because all the county boys were back in with their clubs, you know, and the enjoyment came back into it for them lads because it was just total about sheer enjoyment rather than worrying about tactics or, you know, strength and condition pre-season. It was just complete enjoyment. And I suppose going forward, I think, I think a lot of clubs may take that approach. And we have a full weekend of National League fixtures this weekend as well, Emlyn. Are you looking forward to the games this weekend? Ah, yeah, it's great to have it. Listen, isn't it great to have the games on the telly? Like, it's, Jesus, like this weekend, I was saying, there's nothing to do. Like, I said, bar, listen, the only thing I'm looking forward to is watching a few games on TV, do you know? Now, it's interesting to be looking, reading around in different games, pulling, pulling, pulling plug here and there. And I suppose Antrim Waterford was an interesting one. Um, you know, and I suppose, listen, different clubs, different counties making their own decision, even Leeds from last week with down. 
you're going to get a divided opinion on it, like whether people agree they're right or they're wrong, I suppose. It's just a bit of honesty you want. Um, I felt like a few of them statements come from some counties, they're kind of, they're not really giving the truth of why they're not playing. You know, they're kind of trying to say it's this or that. But um, listen, it's great for a spectator. It's great for people abroad. I think it's great for everybody. But now, obviously, you see on Twitter, there's a lot of people that just can't understand why the GA is going ahead and you can understand their side of it too. But um, yeah, listen, it's great to see the likes of Donegal and these teams out playing. Kerry, like watching Clifford, watching these boys, Conor McManus last week. Like, they're just phenom- they're phenomenal footballers, you know, and just it's, it gives you great enjoyment to watch them over these couple of weeks now going forward. And the games last weekend as well, Emin, like your likes Donegal, Throne, uh, Gall with Mayo, like we were you impressed by Mark Moore and Mayo there. Yeah, Jesus, impressed with how he looked, and yeah, and it's not an L size. <laughs> but no, Jesus, in fairness to him, he was very good. Like, Jesus, he did everything right. The debut couldn't have went better for him, you know. Kicked two massive points in the first half, great goal, set up another goal. Um, there's a couple other lads there, corner back there for me. Was, uh, I know, listen, in fairness, me were impressive. And I, I suppose I weary for Leitrim next weekend as well. Like with likes of Aidan O'Shea and full forward, like, like Jesus Christ, how do you handle him? Like, you know, it's he is like I played with him a couple of times with Connacht there and we went into provincial. And even then, I remember we got Ulster in the final of it. And like he, I, I said it after that, he like he bet Sean Cavan and Michael Murphy around the place, the physique of him, you know, and he's he's leaner now and. Jesus, just he's a phenomenal athlete at the minute, and it's great. So he takes such a amount of criticism as well from people on social media and that. And do you know, for people to know him, he's a he's a decent fella than that, you know. And it's very easy just to pinpoint on him. But um, but yeah, listen, it'd be interesting to see where Mayo are at. And I suppose Gala, like listen, Gala mightn't read much into it, but at the same time, I'd say Joyce was kind of a wee bit disappointed with the I suppose the attitude more so than anything. But listen, it's all about the kind of championship for them boys at the end of the day. And, um, even Donegal Tyrone, I think it was a bit of a shadow boxing match. It'll be a totally different affair now, I'd say, now uh, next weekend. Would you feel um, the inter provincials are something that they should have kept? For the likes of me and weaker counties, it was huge. Like, I played them five or six times, and Jesus, I used to love it. Like, it was, well, it was the one place you could go out and showcase that you weren't from Leitrim that everybody else respected. And if you're starting, you know, you're starting ahead of lads from the Owen Galler on the bench. And I suppose for me, it used to give me great confidence. but. I suppose for maybe the bigger counties didn't really pass any heat as such, but it's nice to get out and play with other county players and just something to experience it. And even though there was no crowds coming, like the players didn't, it didn't pass any heat to us. Like Connacht hadn't won it in 50 odd years when we won it in 13 or that. So like it meant a lot to the players to win one, you know, even to have it. Like, as I said, there's very, there's a lot of players that I played against over the years that don't have a, an interprovincial medal. And I suppose it's something that I'd have that they don't. But um, in terms of keeping it, I know they're saying about sustainability and it's not bringing in anything, but for players and their own passion of playing it, like I can guarantee if they play the game now in December, you get it, you get every player buy it into it, you know. So but again, comes it's coming from the top and what they think, and sometimes they're not I suppose they're not switched on in the real world at the best of times. And like the pressure of being a star player for like a week of county, how did you feel like during your career dealing with that pressure of playing with Leitrim and expecting to put in a sensational performance every day you go out? Ah yeah, listen. I suppose yeah, you take it on. You take it on board. I felt I was always capable of carrying it out, and I suppose you don't you don't focus in on that either. To be honest with you, Paul, you know you kind of you, you you go out to do your best, and I suppose listen, if your best is good enough to be better than a lot of other players, so be it, you know. But I never really had that pressure on myself, and I suppose listen, like managers over the years had great confidence in me, and a lot of it comes from that as well, you know. And obviously then by playing in Dublin gave me an extra step. I always felt I was nearly better than all the rest of Division Four footballers, you know. And, um, but listen, I trained hard, I worked hard, I committed, I, I, I gave a massive commitment to it, I can always put my hand on my heart and say that, like, listen, I gave it 
as much as I could, you know. So they say reap the rewards at times, but obviously not in terms of medals and trophies and that. But in terms of personal accolades and that, and man of the matches over different teams, this I always I always put my best foot out there and tried my best, you know. And you mentioned um, having Mickey Moran involved in John Morrison. Obviously, Mickey Moran, what he's doing with clubs is just unbelievable. Kilkew and Slachnia. What was it like to have him um, as involved with Leitrim? Ah, they're two good lads. Like they're two totally different personalities. And listen, they, they used to head off in the road at two o'clock in the day to be down in Leitrim for training at seven. And John was just an awful character. Like Jesus, I'd be coming off night shifts in the guards at six in the morning. And he'd be ringing me at eight in the morning. And, and his first words would be, "He'd be like, Emma, I'm gonna make you an all star." I'd be the first thing he'd answer the phone. I'd be like, "John, you go away." So the money out. That's the way he was. You know, he, he used to he used to be like, "I made Conor Mortimer an all star." He go. I made such and such, and Jesus, I was like, you'll have a job making me one now, but I said, at least he had the belief in you, you know, and ah, no, they were brilliant fellas, they were absolutely brilliant, and I suppose, listen, they had a tough time, unfortunately, Philly McGuinness, one of our players died in their, during their season there, and we just had a lot of setbacks through injuries and through everything, and then Mickey stayed on for third year, and then he had to have a triple bypass, and he was lucky to survive it, and then obviously different management took over. But they still left a fierce positive influence, I suppose, is the best thing you could say. While while the results mightn't have came for them, well, in fairness, we did. We bet Sligo under them, like so. That I suppose you know back that's my only ever championship win, you know. So, um, but no, they did a massive positive influence on the county as a whole in general because gave Leitrim people a massive boost when they see the likes of Mickey Moore and coming. Jesus, and I remember when I heard he was coming and the news, I was like, Jesus, and he crashed the car, thinking, what's this man? And likes that. Gives every county a massive boost when you hear a big name like that willing to come down and train any team, you know. And um, the game over in New York, like probably New York's best ever team, Jamie Clark, like, and RT Radio doing live uh, commentary on the game as well. There must have been such a buzz playing that game. Oh, it was a phenomenal. It was. Listen, as I said, that was my first game back now after the cruise and I suppose I was just delighted to be part of it. And um, yeah. It was surreal in fairness, like it was a surreal last five minutes, like three points down. And like the things that we could through your head, I was thinking, like, Jesus Christ, I was like, we can't even go. Like, what I was like, where are we going to go drinking? Like, where are we going tonight? Like, we can't go anywhere if we lose this game. Like, you know, the whole thing is set on like going out on the piss after, like, it's a serious two day session. It was my third time over there, so I knew all about it. And I was like, and then I remember the, the, my club man came back on, Dar Rooney, you're a young lad, and I just said, my legs were gone at this stage next extra time. And I said to him, I said, just any ball you get, put your fucking boot through it. I said, don't even look at the goals. And he came on and he got he got the second point to put a point in it. And then Shane Quinn had a goal chance and he went for the goal and the keeper saved it and went over the bar. And then Noel Plunkett, one of the lads, came on and he wouldn't kick. The man had never kicked a point. And next thing he kicks this one over from 35. <laughs> I, I don't know, it was a surreal experience. Jesus Christ, but I couldn't. I, it's, it's worse thinking back than if we lost it, to be honest. Like, regardless of how good New York were, the whole stereotypical you lost in New York, I, it would have been very hard to undertake you now jumping on the plane and what to do that night or the day after. It was, uh, Jesus was touch and go, but yeah, it was electric because, in fairness, like Marty Morrison and them all are over there, and there's a good crew, Joe Bally, the whole lot. Like, they were really ready for a New York championship win, I suppose, you know, and I just. To, I suppose to, for the fact of just to beat them and not have them to celebrate it that way, like it would have been just it would have been soul destroying for Leitrim GA as a whole coming home, regardless for the years to come for young children. I think you know, whereas people are saying it would be a great boost for New York. Uh, listen, I don't believe that. Them fellas were only there for a blow-ins for a year or two. It would have been an awful setback for Leitrim had we been bet, you know. But I'm just glad now I don't have to go back and experience that 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 turmoil again in two or four years of time. I knew I'll be going I'll be going over as a fan now on the piss for the whole week. <laughs> <laughs> Is it very hard to like 
stay focused when you're playing New York because there's just so much going on in New York and leading up to a game like that. Yeah, like yeah, it's very hard to control lads like not going into the city centre. Like there's lads there, one or two lads never been on a plane before on our panel and they were landing into New York and like I suppose you're there, you want to see them to see the sights and I suppose you're still in the mind sort of, like we have a job to do obviously here, you know, and I suppose it's like I made my debut in New York in two thousand eight and I suppose it was different going over you'd that was my, I'd been in New York a few times before and I suppose you know, you're, you're a bit more focused and then the second year as captain and then the third year I was just glad to be playing but some lads were just taken away by the whole thing and the place you're like it's all about it's all about planning where you're staying you're staying away from it and then you go into Times Square and you see Leitrim jerseys everywhere like you know what I mean like and, and you know it's such a small county but yet thousands always go over to it you know and it's remarkable and then there's such a massive contingent no more than Cavan or them of Leitrim people in New York you know and like it's, it's brilliant for them as well and they want to be part of it and get talking to players but you have to hide away from it unfortunately as I said you have a job to do and the main focus is get the job done and then you can enjoy the two days with your family with the people that come over to support you and that but yeah no it's a surreal it's, it does be a surreal sort of experience right because you're in one of the biggest cities in the world but yet you know you're so you're so hidden away at the same time in a hotel somewhere out in the middle of nowhere you know Exactly Sean come back in there John the current state of affairs as well, Emil, like, I don't know if you're watching um, off the ball there during weekend or during the week with Eric Gilroy, and he was talking about the power rankings and kind of saying he was Mayo, he reckons Mayo was the best team in the country at the minute, and it's all about the current trend, never mind last year. Like, I don't know what was wrong with Jared that day, because Dublin are by far the best, surely, at the minute. Yeah, like, well, I suppose he's, like, he's going on the basis of... Yeah, I, I, I suppose you can see his point in terms of saying he's basically going on last week and he's saying, right, and I suppose, like, you think seven months ago, it's a lot of different teams, like, Galway were champions, but so much changes in the bodies and the legs in seven months, like, it's, I suppose, it's going to, it's going to be interesting. I think it's good, like, you couldn't, you couldn't go down and put a bet on and predict the score, like, even just go back to Division 4, Wicklow bet Antrim 7-11, 7 points, like, whereas if I was a bet, betting man, I would have backed Antrim all day, going on league form, Back in March, they were probably one of the best teams in Division Four. You know what I mean? Like, and to be honest, I just think there's no, there's no, what's the word? Like, I suppose there's no, there's no comparison you can really make in them in in, in them three months. I suppose Jared's going on that basis, but at the same time, now I wouldn't be getting, as you said there. Listen, Dublin are still the best team. Jesus, they deserve a bit more respect than that to not be still rated as the best team in the country just because Mayo went out and kicked such and such in a, in a in a weekend. You know, like Dublin are still out now, pound for pound, the best team in the country. Is there, is there a chance to be caught this year? Probably a great chance to be caught this year, but any years, realistically, John, I'd say. But for me, probably, I'd be still, you'd be still thinking Kerry, um, Kerry, even Donegal, I think, give it a fair rattle now if to get things right. But listen, it's going to be an, inter- an interesting few weeks because you've, listen, one chance at it, it's like open championship again. So, you know, any team can be caught out now. But uh, yeah, listen, Dublin, sure, Dublin are phenomenal in fairness. I'm sure they're, they're the best, they're, without doubt, still the best in the country, no question about it. Um, would you be, would you kind of jump on this kind of carry bandwagon? Like, is this year to is this the year to get over the dubs and maybe for some team to come into play and maybe this could be Kerry's chance? Yeah, it could be their chance. And the pressures, like, suppose the pressures off from the crowds and all that sort of thing as well. Like, listen, we all know from the Ireland final last year, like Kerry could have won. You know, Kerry, they're not, far, they weren't far away. Um, I guess just when you look at that man in the game, the last day, you just when you're looking at Clifford, and like, Jesus, like I don't know how do you describe that fella. Like, it's just phenomenal. Like, it's just. I don't know. It's very hard to describe him how good he actually is. Like when you see some of the stuff he's at, like it's just like it's, it doesn't even look that good because you expect it off him, you know. But I just know myself with some of the stuff is the stuff that he's where he kicks from, like taking men on, turn on to the left, shooting over the shoulder. Like he's just 
he's an absolute athlete and he's definitely pound for pound the best footballer forward any in the country and the most potential to cause any team serious hassle like you know but there's other teams there that definitely can you know like Mayo definitely look fresher than they've ever looked and I suppose listen Tommy Connery inside is maybe now listen he's only played one game there this year so you can't really start saying he's an out and out best corner forward in the country and but Killian O'Connor and O'Shea in there is definitely going to take a lot of attention away from the likes of him who could make who could make hay and listen there's pressure now in Mark Moore against Throne like some Throne fella now pulling and dragging out of him you know there's pressure on him now to perform this again so it'll be interesting because there's pressure on Mayo now as you said if they don't come out if Throne's going to beat them we'll jerry have them at the top of the rankings again next week you know so um, no, and then championships only six days seven days around the corner again so um, but listen Mayo will probably lucky in the side of the draw they'll have another week to recover after that because you, as it says again you'd imagine they will get over later but um, no, I said it's it, I definitely going to make for an intriguing championship, I think, because at the minute, I think there's a lot of teams on the similar level. It'll be interesting to see will Mark Moore be able to keep the hair like that with, against the throw boys, but <laughs> like Tiernan like Tiernan McCann. Tiernan wouldn't put that man in fairness. <laughs> um, tell me this in an ideal or on an ideal world, and if there was a transfer system in the GA, um, if there was. Emlyn, would you be interested? Would you be interested to uh, transfer counties ever? Ah, well, listen, there's all the speculation. I suppose I was born and reared in Donegal, you know, born in Bundoran and moved to Kinlochan in eight or nine, and there's always talk about this and that. And I suppose, in not in, like, if there was any county I would love to go to, I suppose it would have been Donegal. Like, there's no question about. It. I still support like Leitrim played Donegal in 2006, and I wasn't playing with Leitrim. I was I was supporting Donegal at that game. Do you know, like I followed Donegal all my life, um, c- celebrated all Ireland, like, like no matter. Since I ever moved into Leitrim, you know, um, so in terms of passion for county like Donegal, and then obviously when you're looking across the water there in Bundoran, and you see them come back in all Ireland there or whatever in 13, sure, obviously you'd be envious of it, but at the same time, sure, listen, it's not something that's ever come into your mind, um, but at the same time, one of my best friends, Paul Brennan, they're transferred from my club to Donegal, and I'd be chatting him most every second or third day, and I'd be envious of the level they're at. You know, and listen to what they were doing and listening to stuff with Michael Murphy and like if you say to yourself, Jesus, like because he got awful criticism when he made that move. But listen, it's worked out. He's two Ulster medals. You know, he's man nominated for Man of Match in one of Ulster finals two years ago. So like obviously, listen, it's worked out for him and he loves it, like and he loves that commitment and the passion that they give to it. You know, and I suppose you would be envious maybe at times talking to him about it, but at the same time I never regret it, obviously, where where I ended up. Well, it's a touchy subject here in Cavan, so we'll uh, we, we leave it. Uh, you're, well, you're the pro. You're the pros at it up there, any in fairness to you guys, if there's ever. I, my grandfather, my grandfather's a Cavan man. I wonder would Mickey Graham. Mickey might give me a shout next year. That's year's just insane. <laughs> and Mickey is Mullinyak. The Mickey, my father's from Mullinyak, so I says, uh, I says there's good Longford blood there too. I says, I, I said that's that's the line now. I might have to look him for next year. Maybe Sligo here, Paul Taylor might give me a shout either. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we'd happily have you because I was talking to Paul there a couple of days ago and geez we take we take anyone at this stage but no, no. Um, well, I'll, be in, I'll be I'll be watching you now tomorrow who you were scamming now tomorrow, so tomorrow. Big game. that's a big game now for because geez you wouldn't want to be going back down another level like um, no, no. do you know because fairness Cavan has been consistent but yeah a setback down division three wouldn't be ideal for Cavan I don't think they're going forward and yeah definitely not well Killing Clark's back as well I see he, he came back I think uh Took a couple of months off, so he's back. But we've no Mafiti Moina. What Evan O'Donnell? You're a big Nevin. Big yeah, he's O'Donnell. in Australia at the minute. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he's he's chasing the Australian rules contract beyond Fair Nevin. He, he, does, he pass- doesn't know who to pay for Shannon Gale. <laughs> we'll have to He'd be delighted he got a thirty-second segment on this podcast. Anyway, that would make his day. Anyway. <laughs> 
And uh, finally, Emlyn, you played for um, Sligo Rovers for a while. What did you make of uh, playing for them? Ah, yeah, listen, I loved it. I'm back playing soccer now. Well, unfortunately, called off again. I'm playing during the Sligo Leitrim League. And, jeez, I swear to God, I'm like, a, I'm like a new man back playing soccer. It's enjoyment to get out of it. Um, it's just such a different sport. It's just... It's all about it's all about enjoyment. Yet there's a bit of knit and grit and competitiveness in it. It's not your typical out beating the shite out of each other really on a pitch. You know, it's um, yeah. And obviously, I started off playing soccer with Sligo Rovers, and I didn't play county minor obviously due to being involved with them. And I suppose it's now I it's something I always regret. I definitely want. I I got offered a full time at the time. My parents didn't want me playing. They wanted me to join the guard. So that kind of led me in the GA direction. But uh, I was kind of I was delighted to get back playing a bit of soccer now in the last couple of weeks. But no, listen, really good time. I suppose it probably installed the professionalism and attitude in me. Um, being with professional footballers and the way they looked after themselves and what they demanded. And I was only 15, 16 year old mixed in with these boys. And like you give a bad pass to them, like you knew about it. Like they ate the heady over. You know, and you wouldn't give that pass again. And I suppose that was my kind of philosophy down with GA. But obviously now it's kind of like you can't be giving out to anyone. You know, it's encourage, encourage, encourage. And I still don't I believe in 100% in that kind of philosophy. That you, obviously, encouragement is huge, but in the soccer and the things, them boys, they were ruthless, them boys. Like, it was like, you just, there was no second chances with them. And I suppose it, it would definitely set me up in terms of the, the level, I, I, I suppose, the professionalism I brought then going forward in the GA. But yeah, it was great times. So just getting a few pounds every week and sure training three or four times a week and go out on a Saturday night after the game and recover Sunday, train again Monday. Like, sure. I see, even though you're only making a f- very little money out of it, just be, being in that kind of lifestyle was great, you know, and I suppose it's something you might have pursued down, down the line or you might have regretted, you know, I was in and around kind of Irish panels and different stuff. I was up a few times with under-19s and that. It might have been different, but at the same time, um, I think I think choosing a GA career was probably a better one for me, you know. And you mentioned there um, being with the guys. What have you made now of, like, your restrictions, um, the guys have a bit more authority with the 5k restrictions and everything. Ah, yeah, listen, it's tough and people like, so I find that myself here in Sligo, like, Jesus, trying to stay within the 5k is very hard. So, listen, obviously, obviously, as a guard, listen, if people are adhering to restrictions at a reasonable level, I think, you know, it's you're obviously going to find the people that are taking the absolute piss out of the situation, you know, and I suppose that's all we're asking for is people just to do the simple things and try and just do as much as we can for these five or six weeks to try and get the country open to some state of affairs, but. It's not going to be easy, like, and I think for every person, like, it's just the unknownness and these weekends now are going to be long. It's been a long month. It's, uh, I suppose, listen, I know I don't really factor too much into mental health side of things, but it's definitely, it's definitely going to be tough for everybody mentally to try and just focus. And I suppose, listen, I take every day as it comes. No point thinking six weeks down the line. Think about getting through tomorrow and the next day, and I suppose work like that. But in terms of the guys, there's more out there trying to keep people, trying to keep people safe to a degree. And, you see the stuff going on there in Dublin yesterday. I seen videos like you know, and the protesters and the guards out flaking around them. But sure, like it's very hard to keep the public happy. People are looking for guards one minute with these protesters, and then when the guards get in, it gets heavy-handed. They're slating the guards on the other side. So it's a tough job, and it's you're, like you see in these videos, all these people out with phones, and you're completely in the limelight now. And you're it's it's you know you're you're going out now to basically not get in trouble going to a call. You know, so it, it can be hard. But all we're urging people, no more than any person, is just try to obey in some way to as many regulations and guidelines as they can for the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. And Emlyn, we'll uh, finish up on this one. The toughest player you played against and the best player you played with. That's a very hard one, John. Jesus Christ, I'll tell you. I've, I've been blessed now, I suppose, from from playing Sigerson here in college in Sligo IT, from with Andy Moore and Carl Lacey, boys like that, to 
Aidan O'Mahony, these boys, John Miskell in the guards, to playing for Connacht, playing from Dublin then, and Jesus, like, it's... I always said, like, well, growing up when I came into SlagYT, Andy Moore was always probably the most influential player I played with as a college footballer. Even though he wasn't making it really at Mayo at that level, for younger lads at the time, um, he was phenomenal to me, like, our young fellas coming in on that, but like, we were only about 17, and he was just such a leader of that, you know, and I suppose I played with him then for Connacht as well, and I suppose as a person and as a role model, I probably put him up there probably one of the best in terms of all the attributes of everything you know in terms of against um, like Keith Higgins there like obviously played against him a number of times Mio Lee Keegan uh, Aidan O'Mahony Martin Mitterpinscher like there's a handful of them boys as well and even in my own even in my own county there Paddy Maguire he'd be one of the toughest cornerbacks I've marked over the years but I probably would have said Keith I'd probably say Keith Higgins for the, the odd battle I did have against him but again very broad one that you'd nearly have to sit down and you nearly have to drop a chart for to see, but uh, but listen, privilege to played with all them lads as well. And I suppose it's now I I lucky enough that coming from a weaker county as such that I had the opportunity to always be mixing in with them sort of fellas, and I suppose it made me into the better better player I was and during the day, you know. And apart from Terry Highland, who's your favourite manager over the years? Jesus Christ, I'd, uh, again, ah, listen, it's very hard to know. Jesus, yeah, they did all their own attributes again, like. From club, like Tony, like even Jerry McEntee for me there when I was at the club up there, like his passion and like Tony McEntee in terms of his philosophy of football, do you know, like everyone had something different. Like we'd Michael Miles in there as a coach with the county, and even Benny Guckin himself. Like I'd be honest, John, I, I couldn't put my hand in my heart to who was the best of them now because uh, um, I've again I've been lucky enough. Even John O'Mahony there, I've been lucky enough to been been under a good few top quality managers, managers, you know. But um, but in terms of philosophy of football, like Tony McEntee probably was. Intelligence-wise, and the way on the way the game should be played, whether he's getting his best out of players, but he would have been on my kind of thinking. He, he was a forwards kind of a man, a kick-passing sort of a man. And for me, I just love playing under that sort of element of the game. You know, Terry's number two. <laughs> Hi, is Ter- telling me said that. Is Terry on Twitter? We give t- t- tag him on Twitter in this. <laughs> <laughs> if there's more, co- if there's more COVID cases between the panel and Sunday, I must tell him I have the phone on, on you. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me, innit? Thanks, William. Keep Cheers, up the good work, thank you. gentlemen.